who is St. Joseph? And maybe the big question, how can he help us get to heaven? And what does it mean to consecrate ourselves to St. Joseph? Today we'll discuss these questions with Father Don Calloway. Father Don is the author of the devotional book, Consecration to St. Joseph, The Wonders of Our Spiritual Father. And I'm Father Dave Pavonkin. I'm president of Franciscan University of Steubenville in Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Franciscan University Presents. I'm your host, Father Dave Pavanka, President of Franciscan University of Steubenville. And in this year of St. Joseph, proclaimed by Pope Francis, we're talking today about consecration to St. Joseph. I'm joined by our regular panel, panelists, Dr. Regis Martin, good to have you, Dr. Scott Hahn. And we're very, very blessed uh, today to have uh, Father Don Calloway. Father Don is a priest of the Congregation of Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception of the Most Blessed Virgin Mary. He holds a degree from Franciscan University, a Master's of Divinity from the Dominican House of Studies, and a Licentiate in Sacred Theology from the International Marian Research Institute in Dayton, Ohio. That's a lot, Father. It is. You, you, <laughs> Sorry. A lot there. No, no, no. It's, it's just a great blessing to have you with us. Thanks, uh, Father. To be able to discuss, actually just the timing is so beautiful and wonderful to be able to discuss St. Joseph. So maybe first two things. Um, why the book? Well, kind of what inspired you to do that? But probably before that, the, your devotion to St. Joseph and, and how did this develop and, and what's your story about that? Yeah. So. Um, well, I guess for myself, you know, um, before I attended Franciscan University, I had had a conversion to Catholicism shortly before that, and um, it's such an honor to be here because you were a priest at that That's time, right. newly ordained, and we don't need to worry about how long that was. <laughs> Let's just keep this going. Things were going so well. Right, right. Um, and both of these illustrious men were my professors. So, um, so when I had my conversion, I. Um, I just developed a devotion to St. Joseph from these Filipino women who were a big part of my conversion. They gave me some novenas, you know, and that just made me fall in love with him because I, I had a really flawed manhood in my, my youth. I really messed it up and so I needed him to help me to get that back. And so, so that kind of got the ball rolling. And then um, as I went through my, my studies and got ordained and now I've been a priest 17 years, about four years ago, um, you know, so many people were talking to me about the woundedness in their families and mm -hmm. marriages. And I was hearing like more than half of all marriages end in divorce today and many fathers are not present in families. And I said to myself, boy, you know, we could really use like a model father right now. <laughs> Who might that be? <laughs> Who could that be, you know? Um, so yeah, it just kind of came to me, St. Joseph is the guy. And so I started doing a lot of research and um, a lot of prayer. And it came to me, we needed something similar to a St. Louis de Montfort type of consecration, but to St. Joseph. Um, not to compete, and certainly Our Lady is greater, of course. Um, and yeah, the, that just happened, and now we've got the book, and you, the year of St. Joseph. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. It's amazing. That is fantastic. Yeah, I'm, what I'm struck by, uh, Father Don, is that you've obviously imitated his life, but it seems to uh, extend even to a kind of <laughs> physical resemblance. <laughs> we don't have any photographs of St. Right. Joseph, but yeah. I suspect the two of you uh, look very much alike. Well, thank you. Hopefully, I imitate his virtues as well. <laughs> this you is know, special for the year of St. Joseph. You went there to you go. Look, why not? 
That comment that you made, that it's not competitive, you know, is mm. it Marian consecration or consecration to St. Joseph? I mean, that should be self-evident, but it's not, you know, because you realize that St. Joseph predates St. Louis de Montfort by centuries, right. and he really was the first to be consecrated to Our Lady in the deepest and most sacred way. But likewise, she was truly consecrated to St. Joseph. Mm. And just as Our Lady gets us closer to Jesus, St. Joseph will get us closer to both yes. Our Lady and their son. Yeah. And I think this is just like so obvious, but it's hiding, you know, in plain view right. until you've pointed it out in so many ways in this book. Yeah. And I just want to say thank you for the book because as I mentioned before the, uh, the recording began, uh, we got it. I mean, as soon as it was hot off the presses. <laughs> and uh, three of my sons and I uh, did this together uh, way back in 2020, right? <laughs> in time for the Feast of St. Joseph on March 19th. But that was right when the COVID crisis was hitting us, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was also a great sense of paternal protection. But fatherhood according to the spirit, you know, yeah. as John Paul would put it. Yeah. And not just fatherhood according to the flesh. I mean, there's something truly ennobling about fatherhood in a physical, material way. Right. But, you know, we share that with male dogs and cats and pigs <laughs> too, you know. But yeah. there's a sense in which he really does reflect God's fatherhood. Yes. Not less than me, but more. That's right. And that's what many people have called him the shadow of yes. the Father. And even, you know, in, Pope in, Francis. that's right, in, in Patris Corde, the, the apostolic letter, um, which is a really great letter. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Um, Easily accessible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think if you print it out, I think it's like 13 pages or something like that. 10 point font, uh, it's is that 12 pages. There you go, <laughs> right. <laughs> it is. It's fantastic. And he talks about that. And, and many people have. Shadow of the Father, um, the image of the Father, you know, playing that role. And that is so what we need today, because even sociological studies are being done that have shown that a lot of the damage, a lot of the chaos that we're experiencing in society with, you know, the riots and all kind of things, a lot of these people come from broken homes Absolutely. without a father. Absolutely. And so they're very confused and they don't know how to act out in a virtuous way to bring about change. And so I think that St. Joseph, now is his time, really and truly. And I think that that's why we're privileged because mm -hmm. I think saints of old, like a St. Teresa of Avila and many others who had such a great love for him, they would have loved to live yeah, in a time yeah. like this. Well, well, you talk, you talk about that, Father Don, is it almost like the, that it was building. You go back, I don't know how many hundreds of yep. years and just each different step. And this must have been something for you to watch this develop. Yeah. And you say in the book, I sense that something is going on. Right? Absolutely, I did I, in my prayer. And that's when I was like, okay, I, but I don't want it to be just Father Don has got this idea. So I, I got to back this up with actual facts here, you know? <laughs> so I started to do the research and then I realized, holy moly, since 1870 specifically, that's when blessed Pius IX declared him the patron of the church. There was like a snowball set in motion that just kept built, building momentum and mass with um, things happening with him appearing in apparitions, knock Ireland, right? Right, right after that uh, 1870 event, nine years later, he appeared in Fatima, you know, right. it's kind of forgotten. And then we get, you know, his name put in the mass. We get a new feast day, St. Joseph the Worker. We get the litany of St. Joseph approved. We get new religious communities. We get the largest shrine dedicated to him in the world in Montreal, yeah. you know, our Northern neighbor here. And it just was like, what is going on? And now it's crescendoed, I think, yeah. with the year of St. Joseph, first it, it, one ever. Yeah, the contrast, I think, is, is pretty stunning uh, and also uh, ironic because uh, 
during his lifetime, he is literally a shadow. He doesn't speak, uh, he acts, but he doesn't talk very much. Yeah. If he does, we don't have any record uh, of what he said. But nowadays, uh, he's everywhere, yeah. ubiquitous. And, and the Pope, I think, timed this letter exquisitely because here we are in the midst of COVID, and we are sustained, uh, the Pope reminds us, by very ordinary people who don't show up on television, like St. Joseph, who nevertheless keep things together, yep. keep things coherent, and give us a sense of hope, yep. anchor us to something real. That was, that was Joseph's job, to secure the safety of this family. Well, yeah. Regis, that, there's a good question. So to lead us there, concretely, what do we actually know about St. Joseph? Right. Yeah, we don't, as you know, Dr. Martin said, I mean, we don't know tons of, yeah. uh, you know, we don't have any words in the New Testament, but there's that axiom, you know, actions speak louder than words. Yeah. And so um, throughout the centuries, we've had a lot of uh, saints and popes write about it. We've even had some really holy mystics give us some insights. Um, and so we kind of have to unpack it from um, what's, what we have there. So he is mentioned. Of course. You know, and in a pivotal roles uh, in, in key, key places. As a matter of fact, when you even think about it, the incarnation took place within the context of the marriage right. of Mary and Joseph. Because yeah. sometimes we hear that Mary was an unwed mother. That's actually not true. You know, um, we could unpack this, of course, the two stages of a marriage back sure, then. But sure. um, so his role was so pivotal. But um, yeah, we just we look at his actions and then we realize who he was and we kind of can fill in the gaps here and there. You know, I used to think that way about the Blessed Virgin Mary when I was an evangelical Protestant. I mean, where is she in Paul's letters, for example? You know, sometimes things are too close to you <laughs> to really be mm. objective and analytical. And so over the course of time, you know, the Blessed Virgin's role in redemptive history and the special graces that she got are discovered in the second, third, and fourth centuries. Yeah. But St. Joseph takes a lot longer, yeah. you know, and, and perhaps it's a silence, but I think it's also a process by which the Holy Spirit empowers the church to assimilate the revealed mysteries slowly. I mean, slowly over centuries, not just years. Yeah. But you have it, you know, by the, the, the fourth century with St. Jerome and St. Augustine yeah. pointing out, as you indicate, that Joseph is not just a foster father, but a virginal father like Mary's a virginal mother, you know, and gradually, but I mean, very gradually. Yeah. It really isn't until the 12th century with uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, right. St. Bernardine of Siena, you know, by the time St. Francis de Sales, you know, he, he takes, he's my patron, oh, so I'm biased, amazing. but, uh, you know, for him to call the Holy Family, the earthly trinity, and get away with it. You know? <laughs> There's just something so profound and timely about, as you say, the 19th, 20th centuries leading up to this year yeah. as a crescendo. But I suspect there's even more to come. I think so, because, you know, just saying that, know that you're, you're a scripture scholar, you know, he's implied in key places. Like if you yeah. think about Galatians, right, chapter four, right. in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son born of a woman. What we don't hear is who was married to Joseph. That's right. But we, he, she was. So what does that mean? I think we can unpack this stuff yeah. for, for years Well, to it, it's got to be instructive, uh, the fact that after Mary, he is the most frequently cited saint uh, in the whole papal magisterium. That, that has to be pretty telling. It is. Uh, 
Pope Paul, St. Paul, speaks of, of his superhuman oblation. And I think it's interesting that he never had to take a, a course in consecration. He didn't subscribe to the discourse. He, he didn't sign on uh, for the program. He consecrated himself to Mary and Jesus. Yes. It was something done. It was a witness yeah. of his life. It wasn't verbal. Right, yeah, and the other thing too is, is Jesus, our Lord and Savior, you know, if we use another word for consecration, we can say entrustment as well, right? So Jesus entrusted himself into the care of Mary and right. Joseph. Yeah. So in the Gospel of Luke, chapter two, it says that uh, you know after he was you know found in the temple, um, that he went back with him and was obedient to them, yeah. and uh, grew in wisdom and stature before God and man under the watchful care of. Mary and Joseph. Right. That's yeah. so key. Yeah. Jesus did this as well. Yeah, I mean, if for Jesus, 30 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, if he's willing to entrust himself radically to this ordinary human being uh, who, who shares uh, in the same uh, fallen nature as, as Adam and the four of us, mm. then why would it be a stretch for us to extend the same sort of trust right. uh, to the foster right. father? Absolutely. And I think there's something beautiful in that, that, that he is full of human like us, right? Mm. And when you think of that and having been able to have a relationship with him and discover him and study him, what would you say are the, the virtues that are, that are most necessary today that really want to be able to speak to us today at this time? Yeah, there are some key ones yeah. um, for everyone, but I, I think especially for men because we live in an age of just filthy pornography. It's everywhere. This is ruining marriages. It's destroying men's hearts. Um, I think Joseph in his titles of, of, of chaste, you know, he's the, he's, he's the chaste uh, guardian of the virgin. Those aspects, because um, that is something that we've got to recover. We've lost a lot of ground in that. Yeah. Um, and even within marriages, you know, I often meet couples and they think just because they're married, now they can do anything. Right. I'm like, right. no, actually, no, you have, you're dignified. You're not animals, you know. Um, and even though they lived a, 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 a marriage where they did not engage in the marital act, you know, Our Lady and St. Joseph, nonetheless, um, there was that affection. There was that sincere love for each other. And Joseph had the most beautiful woman in his presence every day and the great dignity, mm -hmm. the love of that chaste heart that he had. Yeah. Yeah. I think every man, no matter what your vocation is, even me as a priest, I need to imitate St. The church is not right. at my disposal to do with right. what I want. Right. Yeah. I'm to, to honor her, to respect her and die for her, just like you, Joseph. You know, I think the tendency is to view chastity in, in perhaps a venereal way, mm -hmm. a genital uh, abstinence, right. when in fact it's a positive virtue. It means you're not self preoccupied, uh, you're not possessive, uh, you're focused on the other. What is the best good uh, I, I can uh, promote of this person I love? What sacrifice can I make for her? Love it. And it really is a consecration to beauty as holiness. You know, mm -hmm. you think of what St. Joseph awoke to every morning. <laughs> you know, you look that at the most... been hard sometimes, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you look at the most beautiful pieces of Marian art. Yeah. And I can see how she looked through his eyes. Mm. You know, that's what he saw. Mm. But I suspect that the Marian art, even the most exquisite, falls way short mm. of, of not only her physical beauty, because she's a woman, she's attractive. Right, right. He was attracted to her, mm. and it wasn't like repressed sexuality. Right. There's, a, there's a full flowering of that yeah. in their prayer life, but in his hard work, yeah. in the fact that they work together to raise the Son of God as their own son. You know, I, I, I think that through his eyes, all of the artists fall short yeah, yeah. of her real beauty as yeah. a woman. And that's his self-gift, is his manhood, yeah. his right, protective right. love. Yeah. And I tell you, when, when this is over and we're in heaven, 
those hidden years. Yeah. I want replay the tape, Heavenly Father. I want right. to watch this. <laughs> I want to see. I just mean, the interactions like, are absolutely yeah. just. The thing. You know, we're tempted people. to say, "What? What are you waiting for? <laughs> Get on with redemption." And I think Joseph would say. He is. Yeah, right, right. By that's redeeming right. family life, you go to the very source of yep. what it means to be human. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, that's right. You know, the, the, the loveliest feature of Mary, I think, is her face, uh, which mm. the artists uh, have captured so well. And that really is the point of entry into the soul. Mm. And you're right. Joseph would have seen this face 24-7, yeah. and there was a kind of reverence. Right. Somebody said that when you go into a museum, the pictures are not on trial. You are. Yeah. And Joseph was equal to that trial. Mm -hmm. He was acquitted, vindicated, because he could see Mary whole and entire uh, right. as, as, some, as someone beautiful. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I, and we will continue <laughs> to talk about how beautiful they are in just one moment. Stay with us. I've spent a lot of time thinking about St. Joseph, and this year, the year of St. Joseph, I would really love to think more about how the Holy Family really reflects the love of the Most Holy Trinity, in that the love is completely self-giving and it generates life in the world. And in that, I really would love to see more families model the love of the Holy Family. This summer, I started more seriously discerning vocation to the priesthood or religious life. Um, and I, I believe that St. Joseph is interceding for me. Um, I ended up later actually going to a discernment retreat with the Marians of the Immaculate Conception, and I met Father Calloway, who introduced me to the book, The Consecration to St. Joseph. Um, and I was blown away at how much I, I needed him uh, as a father and as a role model. Um, and I'm hoping to emulate him as much as possible in whatever vocation I end up in. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We're talking about consecration to St. Joseph, and we left off at how beautiful he is. So that's, but, but some of the other virtues that, that we can learn from St. Joseph. Yeah, I, it's, it's fascinating, Father, because I often tell people, you know, when God wants to look like somebody, he chose to share the facial characteristics of Our Lady. That beautiful face that she has, her countenance, just like I look like my mother, you do. Well, they're biologically linked, right? So Jesus looks like Mary. But when Jesus, as the God-man taking on human nature, when he wants to imitate somebody, who is that person? Well, that's Joseph, like father, like son, right? Yeah. So. It's, it's, in his divinity, he doesn't need anything, of course, he's God. But in his human development, well, he humbled himself and he grows, right? And so that is extraordinary because that means that when you see Jesus, you're actually seeing Joseph on yeah. some level. Yeah. Not, not biologically, right, right. right? They're not biologically linked. But he acts like Joseph. He, I guarantee you, he had the accent of Joseph. Mm -hmm. He probably walked like him. He probably talked like him. He worked like him. He swung an axe like him. It's how it works. You know, father teaches right. his son. So when you look at some of Joseph's titles, you know, he's called the pillar of families, for example, mm -hmm. and some of his great virtues, um, his courage, his prudence, and all of those things. Jesus as a young boy was being modeled all of that in yeah. St. Joseph. Yeah. And I think if, if that's the case, and it is for Jesus, well then certainly we need to look to St. Joseph in all of those wonderful virtues yeah. that he has. You know, we want to uh, emphasize the fact that Jesus is divine so much that sometimes it eclipses his true and right. whole humanity. Right. Right. And it's a human life that has to develop over time 
with emotions, with an imagination, with a memory. And so when he's praying to God as his father, it isn't just some kind of blur. Mm. There really was a concrete mm. figure who was more than a prop, more than a stand-in, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but a real father figure yeah. who would have been given the grace to fulfill that vocation. He didn't deserve to be it, you know, but God doesn't call those who deserve it, you know. Right. He qualifies those whom he calls. And, you know, the other thing I'm thinking of, too, is the fact that the angel slipped up, uh, you know, in Matthew, when the angel says, you know, son of David, mm. you back up four verses, and actually Joseph was the son of Jacob. Mm. You know, but of course he wasn't talking about his dad, he was talking about his, his royal lineage, you know. And so there's all of that as well. I mean, even if the world wasn't applauding the royalty of St. Joseph, he knew, and God knew, yeah. and Mary knew, that he was, he was the one who bore this amazing promise, this covenant oath that God had sworn to David a thousand years earlier, I will be his father and he will be my son. Yeah. You know, nobody could have imagined right. just how fulfilled that would be <laughs> yeah. in a father, not just a, an individual man, yeah. but one who was going to be truly an icon of God the Father. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's perfectly natural and fitting that a son would wish to imitate his father. Mm. I mean, I, I can still mm. remember my sons watching me shave <laughs> and, and wanting to somehow do it as well. Uh, Pope Francis uh, mentions that a sort of culminating uh, gesture of imitation was when Jesus, now a grown man and preaching, uh, devises uh, that parable of the prodigal son and the merciful father and says, I would like to think that the example of Joseph inspired uh, this yes. narrative. That's, that's a beautiful insight. That's profound. When I read that, I almost wish he had gone more into it because he just throws it out there and leaves right, it there. Right. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so right. I think he left it up to some meditate right. on that more. Something I've thought about too, getting back to the virtues, is in the Holy Family, you know, who was it, whose role was it to lead the family in prayer and the observance of their religion? It was Joseph, right? Right. It wasn't Jesus, the Son of God, yeah, that's right. Right? <laughs> right? Or the Immaculata. I mean, they're po right. both perfect. One's divine. One's a perfect creature. They both surrendered to His leadership, right? Yeah. And that's amazing because so many men today they don't. They say, "Well, I just leave it up to my wife. To, right. She's better at it. She probably is." But that's not the point. Our Lady right. would have been better at it than Joseph, and right. definitely Jesus. Right. Yeah. But they let him fulfill his role. Yeah. That's why in Joseph, I think we see, we need to get back to the importance of a father right. leading the prayers, because it has stick. It's well, it, it's not only a, a, an exercise in divine condescension that Jesus would humble himself and defer to Joseph, or that Mary would share in that same kenosis and allow her husband uh, to shepherd them uh, in prayer. It's also a tribute that they pay to Joseph. Yep. His virtues are such that why not? Who else uh, is qualified? Yeah. But you know, the dependence upon a father that we all have, you know, is reflected in the fact that Our Lady and Jesus, our Lord, were both dependent upon Him directly. I mean, you know, I could just see Our Lady after having Gabriel appear to her, listening to Joseph, telling her about this dream, the first of four, we have to flee, you know, and I can hear her saying, you had a dream, <laughs> you, know, you, you, know, you know a guy, you know. <laughs> you know, he could have done that to me or both of us, you know, but there was such a trust right. in his protective custody. That's right. You know, another thing I thought of was not just leading him in prayer, but leading him 
in pilgrimages. That's right. They live up in Galilee, mm -hmm. nearly a hundred miles from Jerusalem. Three times a year, yep. they've got really? to go up. You That's know, a lot of walking. I mean, you did the Camino in what thirty-one days, five hundred miles. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, three times a year for over a decade or two. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. and and that kind of protection. You also point out that he wasn't necessarily some old guy. We assume that right. because how could a young man, right. you know, vow virginity? You know, well. He was probably a younger man right. than we, we suppose, and right. he, he went on the visitation with her. Yep. But you know, all of that was preparation for his fatherhood as well. That's right. It isn't like, well, you're the mother of God, you know, come back and we'll live together. <laughs> there really was a close marriage, and from that, yeah. fruit comes. Well, well, well when they fled to yes. Egypt, prompted by the angelic intervention, how mm -hmm. long did they hang out there? Yeah, we don't Do know. We, know. we don't. But certain saints um, have said about seven years. Um, I think it's St. Okay. Thomas Aquinas and St. Bonaventure, I think. All um, right. Because the Pope seizes upon the virtue of, of creative uh, uh, initiative, which right. Joseph must have had copious amounts of, because yes. if they're stuck in Egypt for seven years, he's going to have to find work. He's going to have to be clever yeah. with his hands, but he manages to pull it off. Yeah, it does. was an idolatrous people, but there was a very strong and large yeah. Jewish community there was, in Alexandria. Right. And elsewhere, right, right. you know, and so he would have found work. But the tradition, the Copts, yeah, that's right. You know, sure. keep yeah. preserve is that the idols of Egypt were toppled. That's right. That's the arrival right. of the Holy Family. It's fascinating because you think about it. As men, we want to provide. You know, we want to, and when we can't, we feel maybe we're not fulfilling who we're meant to be. You know, yeah. those entrusted to our care. Joseph going there, I mean, what, what, what was going through his mind? You know, mm. have I failed? What, what's right. become of me? Right. No. And yet, um, you know, to, to get work, the language, uh, just the, the whole environment. Um, and that's why many saints have actually said, St. Peter Julian Imard, a great one with St. Joseph, talks about St. Joseph basically being the first missionary, mm. right? Mm. Taking Jesus to a foreign territory. Yeah. And basically also the first one to expose him, you know, where we get the word monstrance, monstrare, right? right. To, to, to other people. So just right. the connections are And I think just as, again, as, as he is the head of the family, there was a, have to be an ongoing personal relationship with, with God, right? Mm. His father as well, in, in a confidence, in a dream, <laughs> that he was so confident in this that he was gonna step forward and I think, I deal with lots of young men and, and married men that that's hard for them because, like you stated, the, the mother's better at it yeah, or the wife is yeah. better at that. But but I think what you invite us to in this is manly, uh, for men to step up and to be men and to be husbands and to be fathers and, yeah. and all this. One of the things that you, you spend quite a bit of time talking about that you haven't mentioned yet is the terror of demons. And, and there's this sense of, of Joseph protecting again. Joseph mm -hmm. is the protector of Mary and Jesus but he's also our protector. So maybe speak to that. Yeah, and that is, I think when people hear that title, sometimes they're actually shocked by it because they don't think of the quiet man holding a lily as being the terror of demons. Right. You know? mm -hmm. um, but he is, that's exactly what makes him the terror of demons because he is so humble, he is so sacrificial, and he's so protective. And the devil knows that. I mean, there's only two people that can say a prayer that would sound like this, Jesus, my Lord and my son. None of us can pray that prayer because Jesus right. is not our son. Yeah. But when Mary and Joseph pray it, he hears it in that coming from a mother and a father, consider it done. You know, son, they have no wine. Boom, they got wine in abundance. Mm -hmm. When Joseph says something likewise, the devil knows what's gonna happen and he's terrified of yeah. this. Yeah. And because he's our patron of the, of the church, you know, St. Joseph, um, 
we can run to him. We can flee to him. That's why we talk about the cloak of Joseph, like the mantle of Mary covers us, shields us from the devil. Well, the cloak of Joseph is a protective father's love yeah, over us. Sure. Boy, do we need that today. Right. Sure. You know, uh, in, the, uh, in the letter of uh, Pope Francis, one of the footnotes includes this prayer that he has recited for 40 years after Lauds each morning. It's a French prayer from the 19th century, but the theme is the fact that here is Joseph, a patron of quite impossible causes. He makes the impossible possible because he joins your petition uh, to Mary and Jesus, and, and the Pope ends, the prayer ends by saying, look, I want you to show me that you are as good as you are powerful. I, I like that verb, to show. It's not just a discourse. I need to see it. It needs to be monstrated. Uh, you have to render it physical, mm. concrete, so that I can be impressed by this prowess which you doubtless have. I appeal to you. I invoke it. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's Powerful. the holy boldness of St. Teresa of Avila yeah, as well. Yeah. I mean, a she, yeah, she unleashed that special grace <laughs> upon the world by revealing to us, you know, yeah. how much she depended upon him. Yeah. But concretely, specific, practical, you that's know. Right. That's right. Uh, and that's also what a father has to be at times, you know, yeah. all the time. Yeah. Right. But as you're talking about that, that, again, sometimes we miss it that's right before us is Jesus would have been obedient to his father, mm-hmm. Joseph. Yeah. And, and we can continue to believe that, that, mm. that as, G, as Joseph intercedes for us, there's this relationship between he's still his father, right? And he's not going to say, ah, oh, no, no, no. And, and, and <laughs> what father is going to ignore son? Doesn't Jesus say something about that, right? right, right you know? Yeah. And, and, and well, there, there's this superb combination in Joseph of gentleness and, and strength. Yes. His head is implacable, hard, lucid, yeah. but his heart couldn't be uh, more tender. And that's what we need today is because so many people have, unfortunately, been uh, abused by a father, either verbally, physically, or God forbid, yeah. worse. Um, what we need is 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 strength because we have it, right? We we can swing an axe hard, stronger than a woman generally, right? Um, but yet we also need to be tender and loving right. and affectionate. And I think that if we can get that in more men and families, yeah. we can bring about a great renewal in family life. You know, paternity requires patience more than most of us <laughs> men have. You know, it also point. You know, it points to. Affirmation. You know, the Catholic psychologist Conrad Bars really emphasizes the the constructive, the formative mm-hmm. influence of fatherly affirmation. Mm-hmm. Well, you might say Jesus did. Well, of course, he needed to be affirmed. He needed to be apprenticed. Mm-hmm. You know, he had to acquire these human skills. You know, I was thinking of an article that I read from 2020, Mary Eberstadt in First Things, an article called "The Fury of the Fatherless." Mm-hmm. You know, at, at one point you're jealous. You want to have a father if you've not had one or if he's been abusive. But the danger is you give up, you despair, and you turn enviously with resentment upon father figures. And I can't help but wonder if we're not there now oh, because we're leaderless, we're fatherless, socially, politically, yeah, morally, they, we're, yeah. we're like orphans yeah. in a way. Yeah. And yet St. Joseph could step in. Yeah. He, he may have come to the kingdom for a time. Yeah, the whole place. cancel culture movement, I yeah. think, is symptomatic of that, the slaying of the fathers. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, uh, Joseph Ratzinger makes the point uh, in Introduction to Christianity that if you look at the opening of uh, 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 
article of the creed, you have this amazing conjunction of power and paternity. I believe in one God, Father Almighty. Mm -hmm. So you have presence, warmth, uh, paternity, but at the same time you have pantocrator, mm -hmm. you have omnipotence. Mm -hmm. That combination is extraordinary and we yes. see it replicated in St. Joseph. Absolutely, and that's why he's the shadow of the Father because Amen. he is such a good example of that and that's why God knew what he was doing. He planned it and said, you're the man to be yeah. the one to raise my son. Yeah. And God knew what he was doing. So we'll be right back with more on Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. One of the prayers that my household will say together is the litany of humility. And it's really important uh, as Catholics because we know our dignity as children of God and how great of a, a plan and a desire God has for us to reach heaven. Um, but knowing that dignity also that we owe everything that we're destined for to him, which St. Joseph was a perfect example of, um, having that humility and giving everything to God. What if you discovered a university with unmatched science, faculty, and programs? A place where you didn't have to choose science over faith. At Franciscan University of Steubenville, you'll find faith-inspired, student-focused, research-driven programs leading to satisfying careers in medicine, scientific research, engineering, computer science, and many more science and health fields. At Franciscan University of Steubenville, education is more than just a word, it's a discovery. Welcome back and thanks for joining us. You're watching Franciscan University Presents, which we record in the Com Arts Studio here at Franciscan University in Steubenville. Our students are operating the cameras and the equipment, and members of our theology faculty, Dr. Regis Martin and Dr. Scott Hahn, and I are discussing consecration to St. Joseph with Father Don Kellaway. So Father, um, maybe two things to get us off here. Uh, Consecration, what does that mean? We, we hear that word a lot, what does that mean? And then how does one consecrate oneself to Joseph? We've heard obviously consecration to Mary, but how does mm -hmm. that work? Yeah, so um, you know, the word itself is basically just to set something aside for a holy purpose. That's what consecration is. So you know, we are consecrated to God by our baptism. We're set aside for the, you know, the, the, the person and mission of Jesus Christ and to become sons and daughters of the Father. Uh, but we also consecrate things like vessels, like we consecrate an altar, we consecrate a chalice, you know, and various things that we use for a holy purpose. So when we talk about consecration um, to Mary or to Joseph, it's always important to remember that our first and primary consecrations is Jesus Christ, and all other subsequent consecrations have that goal as well, Jesus. But Mary's our spiritual mother, and she's going to take care of us and get us really close to Jesus. So we, we do that in a, in a pious, devotional, filial way. Same thing with Joseph. So if you think about it, um, Jesus himself, um, we could say consecrated, but uh, another word that's used is entrusted himself okay. to Mary and Joseph, right? So he wasn't a member of a one-parent spiritual family, and neither are we, right? If Mary is our spiritual mother, well, that also means that St. Joseph is our spiritual father. So we need to pay attention to him. We can't, if, if you invited people over to your house and somebody said, who's that guy there? And you said, well, I don't know, some fellow who lives here, I, I think I call him dad, but I don't pay him much attention, I just focus on mom. That'd be very weird. Um, so in the spiritual life, I think what the Holy Spirit is saying to us now is, I wanna really get you familiar with your spiritual father that certain saints like St. Teresa of Avila and many others have picked up on throughout the centuries. But now, because of this father crisis, uh, what's going on, 
um, I want you to really give yourself to him as well uh, in these difficult times. And so it's an extraordinary thing. You know, it's related to covenant very closely. When I was working on my dissertation many years ago, and I wouldn't encourage people to read it, it's 800 <laughs> pages long, but there are three aspects to covenant. You know, one is relations, that's obviously the foundation. Second, the obligations, but most especially this third level is the consecration. Mm. You know, so you have family, you also have government, but the temple was the center of society in ancient Israel. And it isn't as though there's tension because Jesus called the temple my father's house. And so there really is a convergence. But the climactic act of covenant making is to swear an oath, mm. sacramentum in the Latin. But consecration is really the specific form of the act mm. whereby you move from contractual and transactional exchange to a covenantal relation where you have communion and you're not exchanging property but persons. Mm. And so it is not only allowable, it's not merely appropriate. It is so absolutely fitting mm. for us not just to consecrate ourselves to Jesus primarily, mm. but looking at the Holy Family, recognizing the earthly trinity, seeing how the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have extended sacred family love. Mm. What would be a more appropriate response than to consecrate yourself to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph mm. I mean, that's the, that's the whole deal. It is, and it kind of closes the gap because yeah. now, you know, the timing is perfect. So people have asked me, why wasn't this maybe available in previous centuries? It seems rather new, Father. Did you just, are you just winging this, Father? People have said to me, and I say, no, I'm not, but I understand where you're coming from. But saints have actually talked about this, like St. Peter Julian Yamard, one of the big ones, talks about that literal consecration of St. Joseph. And I think that now the Holy Spirit is really offering this as a gift to the church, and popes have been talking about this, mm -hmm. and now in this year of St. Joseph, um, because right now with the family situation, with so many things needing to be rebuilt, well, isn't it appropriate that we give and trust ourselves into the care of a, of a, father, a loving father who's a carpenter? Mm -hmm. He's gonna rebuild yep. the house, right? Right. Yep. I mean, Beautiful. that's what, what St. Francis did, right, back in, in, in the 13th century, and so now, we need that again, and on a global level, mm -hmm. you know, um, and St. Joseph's our man for that. Yeah. Well, how, how would you uh, uh, answer uh, the argument that uh, once Christ entered the cosmos, nothing is profane, everything has become sacred, everything has been set aside, as it were, consecrated. And, and then the event at the mass, the climactic moment, is consecration, mm -hmm. real presence. But that real presence began uh, at the moment of incarnation. Right. You know, all, of the, all of humanity, the whole universe, were somehow hallowed yeah. by His presence. So what does a consecration add to yeah. all of that? Isn't it sort of a fifth wheel? Yeah, you could say that, but at the same time, I think it gets back to that family aspect. So we're being ushered into the family of the Holy Trinity in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but we've been given kind of a model yeah. here on earth, that earthly trinity, and by entering into that family, it's kind of a preparation yeah. to that entrance into, into heaven. And so certainly, you know, Jesus did everything himself, it's all complete, right. but he's so gracious that he invites us in to this relationship and to actually call Mary our mother, to call St. Joseph our father. That's extraordinary. You know, Josephology is a separate branch of theology. 
one that is really neglected in yeah. America. In Spain and Italy, you have copious works, multi-volumes, you know, except for Francis Fios, mm. you know, Fios uh, in the 50s and 60s. It's practically unknown, but when you go back, as the Josephologists do, to Scripture, you can see how God patiently prepared. You know, you have Joseph in Genesis, you've got mm -hmm. Joseph in Matthew, and they're both the son of Jacob, so they don't just share the same name, they share the same father's name, yeah. and they both are described as just. They're both accused or viewed with suspicion, yeah. but they're upright. They both have dreams whereby they take the Holy Family to Egypt. Israel goes down there, yeah. Genesis 41, 55, go to Joseph. Mm. And likewise, you know, Joseph takes him to Egypt and provides bread, you know, from Bethlehem, the house of bread. The fact is that there is no tribe of Joseph, because that is split into two half-tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. You know, and so Joseph was neglected afterwards. Mm. Joseph was neglected here as well. Mm. And yet Joseph's dream was that the sun and the moon and the 11 stars would bow before him. Mm -hmm. It just took decades for them <laughs> to realize that wasn't arrogance. You know? yeah, right. That was prophecy. And so I think that there is something happening in salvation history now because it didn't close with the death of the last apostle. Right. We have apostolic succession. The Spirit is what causes the tradition to live. Yeah. And, and, and so I really do believe that the time is now, that we have never needed it more. Right. I won't argue with historians who might point to other periods with crises. Sure. But I mean, right now, we are dealing with more than a father void, a father wound. We're dealing with a kind of patricidal instinct that wants to tear down fatherhood. Right. And who will benefit from that? That's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And, and, and to bear that in mind that, and you said at the very beginning, Father, is that ultimately this is to lead us closer to Jesus, yes. right? So mm -hmm. if St. Joseph, in, in deepening our relationship with him and in consecration, allows us to come to love Jesus and be loved and be saved ultimately, yeah. be saved, yeah. Why, why wouldn't we do that? Why right. wouldn't we do that? And that's, that's the extraordinary thing is, you know, Our Lady is the magnifier, right? right. She magnifies yeah. the Lord. Yeah. Well, Joseph, etymologically, uh, I discovered this myself in my research, his name means increase. Mm -hmm. So Mary is the magnifier. He is the increaser. Mm -hmm. He's going to increase your relationship with Jesus and Mary. He's going to increase your virtue. He's going to increase grace. He's all those things. Mm -hmm. And that is, in fact, what he did on the human level for Jesus. When it says Jesus increased in wisdom and stature before God and man. Yeah. That's the role. That's a father's role. Yeah. There's a, you know, in the economy of salvation, we have this marvelous enrichment. I mean, it's not a roundabout way that takes us back to the father. We go through the son. The son goes through the mother, but also through the father. The mediation, I, yes. I think, is wonderfully uh, complicated. Mm. Th that distinction that the Latin church draws between uh, ex opere operato, that's the consecration, mm. the objective dimension. Uh, it's, it's infallible, it's certain, it's binding. But then there's provision made for the subjective, ex opere operatus. This is what we have to do. So the consecration to Joseph is an invitation to appropriate something that is objectively real, but you take ownership of it. Ownership of it. This is something 
I intend to apply, to implement in my own life. You know, there's a beautiful mosaic in one of the churches in Pittsburgh uh, that has this Latin inscription, Ite ad Joseph, go to Joseph. And I thought for years that it meant literally, you go to Joseph. But in fact, it's a reference to the Pharaoh right. who's instructing right. people, you go to my viceroy, yes. Joseph, right. do whatever he right. tells you. Right, right. Yeah, I had people actually challenge me on that because they said, oh, Father, that's, that's, that's really strange theology. And I said, <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's in the Old Testament. Because when you add that, you know, it sounds like, you know, when, when, when Mary says to, to the servants at the wedding, do whatever he tells you, yeah. it sounds like you're almost usurping that from Jesus. Right. But you're not. Right. You know, there's some, that mediation, that beautiful yeah. mediation, yeah. which is a family. Right. It's a family. You know, and the fact that God the Father isn't threatened, what do you mean he's sitting at my right hand, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Uh, I'm the Father, you know. The Father is glorified precisely by exalting His Son and by honoring His bride, who is the mother of the, of the King of Kings, you know. And so we have this individualistic logic that blinds us. But we also have the typology of Scripture for Mary as New Eve, Ark of the New Covenant. We've got to develop much more of that biblical depth to the, the Joseph typology. We do, for oh. sure, yeah. So, Father Don, what does the consecration look like? That just the process, what does one do if, if one's going to go through that? Yeah, great. Thanks for asking that, Father. So, um, I struggled with that when I was trying to come up with it, because I had a, a kind of a template at, at the beginning that I worked on for about three months, and then I realized it was total garbage, and mm -hmm. I just threw it out. And so, I, as I was praying about it, I thought, St. Louis de Montfort's already kind of created the program here. Why am I trying to reinvent the wheel? Um, 33 days is good. If it was 90 days, you know, people would be like, yeah, thanks, I'm not going to do this. But if it was five days, it's not enough. So what I did was I, I did implemented what he did, uh, replicated it. 33 days where every day we go through the litany of St. Joseph. That is a beautiful prayer that not a lot of people know about, where you get to know the official titles of St. Joseph, which you can unpack on so many different levels. So I present one of those. We go through that, and then I'll, I'll supplement it with something about a saint or a shrine or a religious community or an apparition approved by the church. And, and so at the end of it, you really know St. Joseph. That's great. And you really feel like, I want you in my life. Yeah. You know, where have you been, actually? Yeah, you know? yeah. And at the end, you make that consecration, and there is, a, like I say, it's a closing of the gap. We've got our Lord, we've got our Lady, now we've got St. Joseph. It's like it's complete, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the program. And people are loving it, Father. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you made, maybe real quick, you made reference to the, our shrine, which is our neighbor in Montreal of St. Joseph. Maybe just really quickly about that yeah. shrine. I think it's a beautiful, I've been able to be there a couple it of is. times. It's fantastic. So it's the largest shrine dedicated to St. Joseph in the world in Montreal, founded by, a, it was brother, he never became a priest, um, Andre Bassett. Just a humble man who was a, the, the porter, the, the porter yeah, at the yeah, door, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but he was wonderful, his love for St. Joseph. And so he started it. He never saw it completed during his lifetime. And now he's a saint, of course, and his body is there. His heart is reserved in a special place. But it is now kind of known as the Worldwide Center for Devotion to St. Joseph. It is a massive edifice. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely huge. I've been there several times, too. I mm -hmm. absolutely love it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. great. And I think that when we continue to pray, and, and you just used the word, this, this gap, and I think that speaks to a struggle that a lot of people don't even realize they have. You know, that, that we live in a fatherless age and a fatherless, and there's this gap, and we're trying to fill that, unfortunately, oftentimes with things that are not, are not helpful. So your experience personally has been that St. Joseph has been able to fill that gap for you. Absolutely, for me, because I myself, I mean, I have uh, my own wounds from my past. I mean, um, I come from a very wounded family, 
and in you know growing up in that environment but then I also acted out in my own ways and in many ways you know messed up my manhood in my younger days and so by now looking if I if I want to know how to shore this thing up that God has given me I don't want to look at all the flawed models I want to go to the blueprint, <laughs> which is primarily Jesus right. Christ, of right. course. Yeah. Um, but then St. Joseph, the man who, you know, was in charge of, of Jesus. So that has helped me as a man so, so much. So it's not too late. For the person out there that's, think, you know, that's 70 years old, 75 years old, wasn't a great dad, it's not too late for them to be able to. As long as you've got a pulse, you've got hope. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're doing good. <laughs> Uh, up next, our panel and our guest will share our final thoughts on consecration to St. Joseph. Please stay with us. My uh, devotion of St. Joseph started at a very young age, actually. My father, was, while my mother was pregnant with me, actually was looking for a job. And he prayed a certain devotion to St. Joseph um, while she was pregnant with me. And in that, um, he found a really good job, very good benefits and everything like that. And ever since then, I kind of carried that devotion to St. Joseph. Um, that devotion kind of carried through my childhood. It kind of solidified in my college years, joining the line of Judah household, where I was able to see who he was as a model to be a man. There is a place where education begins and faith and reason connect. Franciscan University of Steubenville's online programs will advance your career through an e-learning experience that's both academically excellent and passionately Catholic. With online degrees taught by full-time professors in theology, catechetics, business, education, and other disciplines, you can earn your master's degree online without changing your lifestyle. Find out more today at franciscan.edu, where your faith and career can connect online. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We've come to our final segment. Regis, maybe your final thoughts. Yeah, uh, a couple of uh, points. This uh, letter by uh, Pope Francis was issued on the solemnity of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And uh, I was struck by uh, reading something. Back at the end of the 15th century at the University of Paris, you were forbidden to have any commerce with the university if you did not believe strongly, enthusiastically, in Our Lady's Immaculate Conception. And, and it was sort of contagious because within a matter of years, every other university in Europe uh, followed suit. So that became a litmus test. If you're really robustly committed to this dogma of the faith, then you're welcome to hang out here. We need to revive something like that uh, regarding St. Joseph. I, I think part of the crisis, and Charles Pegui fingered it, I, I think, at the beginning of the last century, Catholics don't really believe what they believe. There's a disconnect between what we know to be true about Joseph and a corresponding warmth of affection uh, or certitude regarding the importance of it, the urgency of it. There's really no fire in the belly. I mean, everybody's willing to concede, yes, he was the chaste husband, the guardian of the Redeemer, but, but so what? It, it doesn't catch fire. This book, I, I think, helps to catch fire. And the other point I wanted to make, there's this beautiful meditation by Tony Esselin I came across the other day. Uh, he compares Joseph to his own father, uh, who died apparently maybe two or three years after the birth of his first child. And he says, 
you don't notice the beam that's gone uh, until it's gone, and yet you realize now that it's gone, it bloody well held up the entire house. Mm. Joseph was responsible for everything that impinged upon the house of Mary mm. and Jesus. He had to secure their safety, protect them, and he did it. And he did it in such a quiet, unobtrusive way, but he managed to pull it off because he kept them safe. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why he died before Jesus died, because he wouldn't have been able to keep him safe uh, at that uh, critical hour. Mm. Scott. Well, first of all, I've got to say thanks for writing this and uh, spreading the message uh, and even sowing the seeds for Josephology to grow in America for Catholics uh, and for academics, but also just for lay people. The the second thing I would like to point out is, um, again, how much we need it now more than ever. You know, I think of father figures going back to my teenage years. It was Archie Bunker. You know, for my kids, it was Homer Simpson, you know. More recently, there is a comedy show where the father works in a, in a shop, a store, but he, he's sarcastic and rude to his wife and his kids and always covering things up, you know. And so we've got prodigal fathers, you know, yeah. and, 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 and parodies of fatherhood, you know. And so this really does fill the gap um, in a way that is not just naturally needed, but supernaturally filled with potential Mm -hmm. to not only heal, but to perfect men. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking of what Pope Francis suggested, and that is to meditate upon the parable of the prodigal son, which seemed counterintuitive to me because, you know, in that parable, the father has two sons. The elder is a jerk. The elder son is a jerk. The other guy, you know, but I, I don't think it applies to Joseph's relationship to Jesus but rather Joseph's relationship with us. Yes. You know, as the father runs out to meet mm-hmm. and prepares the banquet, you know, and, and deals with the, the wayward elder brother and all, I think Joseph has yet to really be given the script and play it out, you know. But the last thought I had was the Holy Family, meditating upon it the way you lead us to, because I can imagine that when Jesus was baptized by John at the Jordan and he heard this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I think Jesus could have said, I've heard that many times mm. growing up. Every day, wow. my father said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That intimacy, that real life relationship with Joseph will not add to, it, it doesn't detract from Jesus, our relationship to him. You know, it, it, it just simply extends it and empowers it. Wow. Okay, thanks, guys. That's fantastic. I, that's that. Brothers, thank you so much for this. That's extraordinary. I think we could almost do a volume two, I think, based <laughs> on the show here. The insights are extraordinary. It. And I'm just blessed uh, because um, I think one of the happiest days of my life, I have to say, was December 8th, 2020, when, when the Pope did declare a year of St. Joseph in which we're now living. I think the graces of this time are extraordinary. I think it's a, it's a gift for us, for the church to, to be renewed at a very difficult time a time of confusion, a time of division. It takes a good father to bring order out of chaos. Mm -hmm. And right now, the Holy Spirit is really drawing the church's attention to to St. Joseph in an extraordinary way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to say, I mean, we've we've had Marian years, those are fantastic. We've had year of mercy, year of prayer, year of this, that, and the other, all wonderful. For the first time in history, we now have a year of St. Joseph. This is something that we do not want to let pass by. 
Uh, and I definitely want to encourage the viewers um, to take advantage of it while we have it. Um, we've been given uh, a chance to receive indulgences, mm -hmm. uh, which we didn't have time to go in on the show, but nonetheless, you can do your own research, the viewers, and find out what those are. Those are a gift from a father's heart. Mm -hmm. And how rightly that document from Pope Francis is called Patris Corde, with a father's heart. Um, and it does fill in the gap. It's what we need right now. And, and so um, I do want to encourage people to, to get the book and do it, um, either by yourself, do it uh, as a family. It's a wonderful way to bring St. Joseph into your household and to encourage uh, my brother priest uh, and any bishops who might be watching to uh, bring it into your diocese, into your parish. I think it'll bring about great renewal, healing of marriages, bring about holy marriages, get some vocations as well, and uh, help shore things up because uh, the pillar of families, the glory of domestic life, one of his other great titles mm -hmm. I love, mm -hmm. and the mighty terror of demons is now on the scene in a big way. Yeah. So let's go to Joseph. Pharaoh <laughs> said that, certainly we can say it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Well, we just wanna thank you uh, for being with us. Uh, this is uh, an article that Father mentioned that is on the consecration of St. Joseph. So that's available to you just so you see the book. Um, please, uh, we invite you and encourage you to get the book. But if you want an article that, that Father wrote, uh, you're able to get this. It's really witnessing St. Joseph and in this unprecedented time that we find ourselves in. Uh, if you'd like this article, you simply need uh, to be able to write to us. It's uh, available for you for free. If you go to faithandreason.com or call the number that you're gonna see on the screen below. Um, honestly, uh, there, there's a lot more that I could say. The, the thing that I was reflecting on was this idea of, uh, of imitation. One of the greatest struggles I see in young people, particularly young men, is they're asked to lead their family and they're asked to lead their family in spirituality and in faith and in, but to ask somebody to do something that they are not equipped to do is profoundly difficult, particularly for men. Mm -hmm. And I think what this does is it invites us to look to uh, St. Joseph as being able to imitate him, that he gives us a model. He teaches uh, men what it is to be a father, to be a husband, to be a man. So that's a great blessing that you've done for us. Uh, we find ourselves in a world where there's a profound void. And I think you're right that at this particular time, the Lord is inviting us to look to Joseph in, in that model for him. So uh, generally, uh, I would close with prayer, but it seems to me very appropriate that you close us with prayer this morning. I'm honored, Father. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, in this extraordinary time, this year of St. Joseph, we thank you for this gift given to the church by Pope Francis. We pray that we would take advantage of every grace and opportunity to get close to Joseph so that we can be closer to Our Lady most importantly, closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to imitate St. Joseph in his virtues. Help us to be like him in that silence, in that faithfulness, in that courageous creativity to always offer our own fiat, like Our Lady, like our Lord, and like St. Joseph. And we ask you to bless our families, bless our, 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 our anxieties, our worries, our concerns in these difficult days, and give us peace. And we ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Joseph, so pray, pray, pray for, for us. us. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks. Download a free handout on today's topic at faithandreason.com, where you can also watch past episodes of Franciscan University Presents. Or request the handout by emailing us at presents at franciscan.edu or reach us by phone for today's handout by calling 800-783-6447.
That's 800-783-6447.